You're listening to Rethinking Trade with Lori Wallach. Small business owners and farmers are protesting the green WTO and NAFTA are transnational forms of autocratic governance that support their own free trade. Seattle has never seen anything like it. Welcome back to Rethinking Trade, where we don't just talk about trade policy, we fight to change it. I'm Ryan, and I'm joined once again by our in-house trade expert, Lori Wallach. So, Lori, Public Citizen is part of a campaign that was announced last week calling on brands and retailers to stop doing business in the Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region of China. For those who don't know much about this situation, what exactly is going on there and why have 190 organizations across the world signed on to this call? So while a lot of the world is very focused, understandably, on the COVID crisis, an enormous human rights crisis is underway in the western part of China. The Chinese government, operating out of Beijing, has rounded up almost 2 million Muslims, many of them Uyghurs, a Turkic ethnic group, in the western part of China and locked them up in concentration camps under the ostensible claim that they're countering Islamic extremism. But the reality, just like the government in Beijing has attacked Tibetans, has attacked any group that has any notion of autonomy of its own culture, it is really a genocide against the culture and perhaps literally people are being killed. There is torture. These are concentration camps. And there's a lot of forced labor. And people are being shipped across China from the camps, but even inside the camps, there is forced labor. And horrifically, a bunch of it is PPE. The New York Times had an expose just this week. There were five plants in Xinjiang that produced PPE a year ago. There are now 51 plants making face masks and more. 17 of which officially are part of the forced labor operation. For those of us in the United States, this is especially relevant also because a number of U.S. companies are actually benefiting from this system of forced labor. And that is sadly not a new thing when it comes to the Chinese government's labor abuses. They've often come as a result of collaboration between state and U.S. and other international firms, especially since China's entry into the World Trade Organization, right? Yes, that is unfortunately true. So just to put into perspective what's going on, there was another New York Times expose in the beginning of March, March 1st, that showed how many of these forced labor Uyghur workers were in a plant making Nike shoes. So throughout the supply chain of goods that can come into the U.S. thanks to China's entry into the WTO without any conditions, any special human rights surveillance with low tariffs are goods that are being made by literally millions of political prisoners. And and this is a crisis of such a scale that the U.S. Holocaust Museum's Center for the Prevention of Genocide has recently determined there's a reasonable basis to believe that crimes against humanity are being committed. Yet many U.S. companies are using this forced labor and the U.S. consumer to a large degree is either unaware or, if aware, has really no way to see that these products are kept out 
or are distinguished under the current law where under WTO, you can't really distinguish a good based on what's happening on a human rights basis, for instance. Now, there is legislation called the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act that's bipartisan, that is in the House and the Senate, that would just simply assume any goods coming from the, the, the Xinjiang part of China, the Western part of China, are likely to have forced labor content. And it has a presumption that can be rebutted that any such goods from that region cannot come in because they're forced labor products. And the company that wants to bring it in has to prove by a clear and convincing evidence standard that the entire supply chain, not just their factory, is clean of forced labor. So you kind of answered this, but aside from the obvious fact that there's goods being produced in the Uyghur region and then sold elsewhere, what does this all have to do with trade policy? And how have trade policies made the situation possible? But also, is this even legal under current trade rules? So there is a chance that that law could get challenged at the WTO, but thank goodness the WTO enforcement system is basically not functioning at the moment because the U.S. has objected to the way it is not very fair or transparent. So the backstory is that since the 1930s, there has been law in the Tariff Act of 1930 that prohibits the import into the United States of goods, quote, mined, produced, or manufactured wholly or in part, end quote, by convict, forced, or indentured labor. And obviously that's a very broad prohibition. The hitch was that the law had an exception called consumptive demand, which basically allowed goods into the U.S., even if they were made by forced labor, if the good was not made in the U.S. in a sufficient supply to meet domestic demand, which basically guts the law. In 2016, President Obama signed a piece of legislation that closed that loophole. And as a result, ostensibly, it is now U.S. law that forced labor goods have to be kept out. And it was that, that change was actually motivated by child labor in the cocoa industry, about seafood, but also about what was going on in cotton and what was not as extreme repression against Uyghur people, but already was some pretty dire circumstances in China and also in, Af- in sub-Saharan Africa relating to cotton. So the Customs and Border Patrol has taken a few actions since that law changed in the beginning of 2016. Um, and it's certainly a lot better. I mean, there are like 40 actions in the 90 years of the original law with the exception, and now there've been 15, 20 actions since. But the problem is you under the law basically have to prove that there is forced labor. And what the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act would do is just simply presume it would flip the burden of proof so that customs doesn't have to prove that a particular good one by one is made with forced labor and therefore meets the Trade Act of 1930 ban, but rather the presumption becomes if it is coming from the 
basically Uyghur autonomous region, sometimes called the XUAR, then you presume it is forced labor and the company has the burden of proving it's not, which is to say all that stuff will be stopped until a company can show it's clean. And that would really put teeth into the existing law because if you had to prove, if customs had to prove product by product, you would not be able to make much of a dent. But if the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act went into effect, that would just shut down the imports from the area with very few exceptions. And that would send a very strong signal to China, which is the least the US can do given the horrific circumstances that right now the government in Beijing is largely getting away with. And to close us out, maybe, you know, this sounds like policies that are designed to kind of put out fires after they've started. What would be some trade rules and enforcement mechanisms that would prevent these types of things from happening in the first place? You know, it shouldn't take a situation of this magnitude to take action on something as obviously wrong as, you know, forced prison labor. It is a sad state of affairs that you need 2 million people in concentration camps being tortured, murdered, forced into labor, indoctrinated, stripped from their homes, young women bundled up onto planes and buses and shipped all over China where they don't actually speak the language of where they've been settled. They're not allowed to go home. You would assume none of that would have to, it wouldn't have to rise to that level to have some rules of decency in the global economy. But unfortunately, the way that the WTO and most of our free trade agreements work, there really is no floor of decency. There's no standard that says you can't have the benefits of this trade agreement unless you do X, Y, or Z. Rather, they're written where they're, instead of having a floor, there's a ceiling. You can't distinguish between goods based on the human rights of the workers. You can't distinguish with the goods based on how much they're paid. You can't distinguish on the goods as long as they're physically the same according to their environmental impacts in the production process. And that is a bass backwards way of thinking about it. So both for human decency, morality, stopping forced labor, but frankly as well for the climate crisis that we face, we need to turn the rules the other way around where we're setting the standards for which every company in every country must comply in order to get the benefits of the trade rules. And the labor standards in the new NAFTA make some attempt to do that in a very narrow way. And we will see as an experiment, it's a baby step. It's certainly a step in the right direction. It doesn't fix the problem. We will see how effective that approach is. But yeah, you just you need to basically condition access into countries on meeting human standards for labor rights and human rights and the environment and safety. And the thing is, those rules exist. It's not a matter of saying, hey, you can't sell anything here unless you do everything the same way as US law requires. No. All of the countries that are also partners in trade agreements are as sovereign nations signatories to things like the International Labor Organization's conventions that guarantee basic labor rights. They're all signatories, China included, to the United Nations two major human rights treaties, one on economic rights and one on political rights. And it basically is going to take changing the rules to give the human rules the priority over the commercial rules, because right now it's the other way around. And in fact, if the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act were passed and the WTO were working, China probably could have it declared an illegal trade barrier. 
So that makes it pretty clear, as well as doing things like passing this emergency ban on these goods, we need to redo the rules of the global economy. Thanks so much, Lori. If you're listening to this, take a look at the links in the description of this episode. There's a link to the campaign to end Uyghur forced labor in China. There's also a link to the House bill, the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act. Rethinking Trade is produced by Public Citizens Global Trade Watch. I would encourage you to visit RethinkTrade.org as well as TradeWatch.org to educate yourself and to find out how you can get involved in the work we're doing to fight for fairer and more equitable trade policies. 